0: Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Welcome to another episode of Talk Time with Max Contact. I'm Sean McIver, your host. Our guest for today's episode is customer service expert, George Freighter, service delivery manager at Sensei. George's core strength lies in building enduring professional relationships with stakeholders and collaborating effectively to achieve business objectives. With a background in the insurance industry, George has a demonstrated leadership ability, strategic thinking, and stellar customer support. First things first, welcome, George. Thank you, Sean. I'd like to generally do a short introduction and then hand it over to yourself. Is there anything you would add to that?
1: Not particularly. You pretty much captured some of the key elements. This was approximately nine years ago, quite a change to what I've been used to do. A lot of office-based working, primarily, in, like you said, the insurance field. So yeah, it's been, been a strange way. I think some people have come along that journey recently with the COVID, but I've been there for the last nine years. And i really looking forward to the chat.
0: Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much. So let's start there i suppose you're in a service delivery management role and i'm gonna go ahead and guess that when if we skip back to when you first stepped into this role it was a different world and the idea of working from home was i won't say a new concept but it wasn't a well-embraced concept presumably that then went through a bit of a revolution as a result of the pandemic What does it mean to be a service delivery manager within your role? Tell me a little bit about that first.
1: Okay, so quite a fundamental role because essentially you are that key person between your know, who you work for, and your client. There's sort of that having to make sure everything's balancing correctly and everything's working correctly, and almost like a middleman sitting between the two companies. It can be quite a strange environment because you'd have to run the client as if that was your business almost. It's quite an interesting role, obviously a lot of people management involved in that as well. Sure, we'll get on to topics later. Remote working does bring uh, some unique uh, people management challenges into it. But a lot of it really is talking to people over the time, stakeholder management, engaging with the client, looking at KPIs, looking at performance metrics. Are we, there's a lot of uh, measuring against in-house, are people are working in the office, What? how are they performing versus people working from home and how are they performing? making sure those metrics
0: tally up at the end of the day. Understood. So let's backtrack just a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about Sonsei. How has the home working model contributed to this, uh, the success of the team and the overall business performance? And what is it exactly that Sonsei do? Let's unpack that.
1: Yeah, so they're an outsourcer, so essentially call center operations that people can work from home. Uh, initially, it was started with a fantastic ethos that they wanted to give those opportunities to people that traditionally could not make it into an office. Where that be through physical or mental conditions that prevented that from happening. They, they started out with that idea in their heads and then sort of started to build this company up. I must admit, when I first saw the advert, I thought, no, yeah, salaried, working from home, that doesn't sound right. So there was a big bridge to sort of cross it kind of to to try and get people to understand what we were and what we offered. And then like you say, then COVID really helped with that because a lot of people had to look at that option. Hold on, how do we implement working from home? And that really helped raise the profile of the company because we already had those solutions in place, whether it be through virtual desktops, the way we interact with our staff. We have things which talk about at them and it called Live Desk, which was a forefront in the industry of a way of communicating while live on shift. And yeah, so we'd kind of been there and done that before COVID struck in. So it was quite an interesting sort of turn to then have to maybe we went out there. We did a lot of consultations with our company. sort of this is how you would get it going, this is how you would set up. These are things that you should expect from yourself a lot of things people probably don't think about isolated location in the, in the house being one of those things you know if you want to carry out the role successfully you need to have a quiet place that you call the office and there are numerous other things you know luckily that we're becoming a lot more popular we uh we've stepped to the the old landline but then if you imagine that caused a few issues people having to have landlines in their house and different various bits of equipment but yeah it's Essentially, you know, when we're just doing that opportunity that people out there that maybe can't go to the office, uh, whether it be location-based or anything else, they've got that opportunity to still be able to work from home and earn a good salary.
0: Yeah, it must have been quite daunting, but equally exhilarating going from the pre-pandemic universe, whereby you were, forgive me for using maybe blunt language, but something of a niche business model to thrown into actually being one of the forefront expert businesses on this is how you do this, particularly through that period of time. How did you find that personally?
1: Yeah, personally, it was very interesting. It would be a case of it, and like you said, very your niche. You'd go to a party or social gathering and people ask you what you do, and you'd struggle to try and explain that. You'd be like, well, so, so, so you're working on, no, no, I work from home, but you manage people. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I manage people. All fully remote. Yep, all fully remote. <laughs> and I think they, they struggle to get that constant run right in their heads. Whereas, you know, you fast forward post-COVID, you're going to a social event, oh, for, oh gee, books my, who do you work for? It's become almost like a social shift in that's acceptable now to work from home, which was a strange one for me because very difficult trying to explain what you did pre-COVID to what you now do post-COVID.
0: It's been interesting to see how businesses have adapted to this kind of new way of working. And in fact, many organizations are now transitioning just to a permanent remote or hybrid work model. I recall I was speaking to one of my previous guests, commented that I think it was 16 different models of hybrid working had been identified. What are the key benefits you've observed from having a predominantly home-based workforce, both for the employees, the company, and in fact, as yourself as a manager?
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, I think from, start from a company perspective, naturally, there's a cost saving to people that are outsourcing to home, but have the massive cost of buildings, computers, etc. Um, so that makes the operational cost of running that unit more cost effective and slightly better profit margins. I think from a management perspective, it really can build you as an individual. Not everyone can do it, you know, to be open and honest about it. Not everyone can work remotely or manage remotely. It does throw up a lot of challenges and it really sort of pushes your boundaries. and just think, how would I do this differently? You know, instead of just sitting in a one-to-one face-to-face, maybe talking about a difficult point that you have to overcome with the individual, how do you do that remotely? How do you still get that message across? As we all know, body language is a huge part of communication. I think for me, one of the absolute key things is webcams must be on. It's a lesson I learned. I think it's a lesson the company learned after the initial couple of years that. You lose too much if you don't have the web so you can still have that body communication that eye contact and actually see what's happening and look for visual cues. Yes, yeah, so to me, that's probably one of the key points there. It's a solution, I think, that's helped also with a lot of people that maybe would have maybe had a mental health issue, for example, in their office environment, and then they sort of feel like just going in and claiming because they can't find that opportunity where they may struggle to leave the house, they may struggle to be while they're going through counseling, et cetera. So it really opens up a great opportunity for those individuals to find whether it's a permanent or a bridging gap solution for them. I think that's another huge benefit of the remote. And from my side, you know, we've, we've, we have we've do have as a company a large majority of people with medical conditions or physical conditions and constraints. And there is a certain sense of reward when you can offer them that opportunity to have a proper job working every day and making them feel a bit better about themselves. Also, it comes with other challenges, as you can imagine, HR. You have to be very, very skilled to manage remotely with the HR processes, policies, procedures. Actually, we'll get a lot of exposure to things that you maybe you wouldn't see as often in the office.
0: And forgive me for if I'm maybe kind of stepping in delicately here, but I imagine that with the type of scenario that you've just described and where the business originated, it's not just or it's not simply or it's not only managing a remote workforce, it's managing a remote workforce that have some particularly unique needs and sensitivities when you're dealing with them in that way for the reasons that you've already described. Right. So we've talked about kind of some of the benefits there. Mm-hmm. Let me kind of swing around and come at you from the other angle. With the rise of homeworking that we've been through and the way that it was kind of catapulted to the absolute forefront, What are the challenges that you've seen companies typically face in maintaining team cohesion and ensuring effective communication among remote employees? And and how do you go about resolving some of those things?
1: That's a fantastic question to ask. Speaking to other people that I know in the industry whose companies had to make that sudden leap from office to home and some of the challenges you find there, you're right. It was almost a case of nobody really knew what was going on. Here's a computer, work from home. And that will create a lot of problems. You'll get isolation problems. You'll get people who don't turn off their computers, going to get enough rest. A lot of people can't cope with it, not having that physical interaction with people. So it can cause a lot of mental health issues and concerns. So there have been a lot of problems when you suddenly flip the switch from one way to another way. So the way we do it is I think it starts right from the advertising. This is what's going to be expected so you. Yes, these are some of your benefits. Lots of flexibility, et cetera, et cetera. But there are also going to be challenges one of the one of the key ways we overcame that is we developed a system called live desk which is almost like a virtual interaction room that people go on when they start their shift so you'll go into this room you'll basically have everybody that's working on their shift pattern with you in there you'll have support managers in there live they're ready to support you with work questions uh, etc we'll have things in there like work chat boxes IT issue boxes so we can jump on and help them resolve IT issues. We'll have things like promotion boxes. But most importantly, the most important box in that room is a social chat box. And we really encourage them. The manager will watch this, they'll watch to see if maybe someone who normally talks a lot in there has stopped and will red flag and team you to say, I want to just check in with Chris. Not quite sure what happened. These, you know, these his text volume's gone down a little bit. So we get a lot of data off the back of these desks as well. That we can analyze and look into go you know, vice versa. If someone's study asking a lot of work questions, or they may maybe feeling unsure about themselves, maybe feeling lack of confidence. But I think live disk was the key thing for me there because we had a platform, a virtual water cooler box, if you will, where people could still have that interaction. Of majority of chats in there about food, pets, what they're doing on the weekend, and all that kind of stuff. And we allow that free rate, obviously with some constraints. Just all modern companies would do you a know, certain subject sort of topic. But I think that was one of the, the key things that we put in place. The second key thing we did is we made sure that, or well, from my point of view as a service delivery manager, making sure my team leaders have got that regular check-in with their agents, you know, physically going to check them. records, have you checked in with that person? And by having those conversations, understanding, given from my level up here, what is the difference between Billy and Sally? Okay, Billy's got some health concerns at the moment. I want to make sure that manager's checking in weekly with Betty. Sally's doing fantastically well. He's chatting away in the desk. You know what? Let's put it to once a to fortnight. Let's time manage that properly. But just making sure that all the right contact points, checkpoints are happening. And then again with the one-to-ones, you know, I'm very insistent on it. Any meeting you have, you start, put the webcam on, show your face, talk to them. Hello, how are you doing? But I think that's how we bridged that gap because we did notice, you know, our traditional live desk evolved into a much better system now. our books. It was a bit basic beforehand, and we just sort of put a lot more in there. There's all sorts of just little fun things you can do. I remember once when there was a complete system outage, I thought, right, we could all just sit here moaning about system outage. I loaded some music videos in, sort of played some quizzes, that kind of thing, get the staff going again, keeping them happy. But for me, that's a big danger point. If you don't have regular contact, visual contact with your staff, that could become a
0: problem. Yeah, I'll be very honest with you. I'm a little bit frustrated now because I had this whole line of questions (laughs) lined up around some of the challenges. And I won't say you've solved all of them and I'm still going to ask some of these questions, but you've kind of paid a few questions with that one aspect of it. And I think that that's really impressive. I will say, certainly in my experience and from talking to friends and colleagues, one of the challenges with remote hybrid working, those water cooler moments are scarce. You're not walking past someone in the office and going, oh, how did you get on with dot dot whatever that thing may be in passing and so there's been this increase in meetings taking the place of what were previously just conversations in person for those companies out there that these statements resonate with them what can they do to claw back some of that dynamism for want of a better phrase
1: yeah you're absolutely right it's a crucial crucial part of social environment when you're working you have to have some content which isn't just always scripted or timed and i think at like the live desk, we have that open social chat box, open teams communication for all staff. So if they want to have a personal message, you know, hey Sean, had to go on that last weekend with that rugby, it's allowed. It's all wanted obviously, in the background. Make sure you know, not meant to be taking a phone call and pushing that to one side so you can go have a chat with your brain. But when those gaps are there, we have that open communication. We had Yammer for a long time as well, There's another social platform, so they could talk about anything they want outside of the work environment. I think that's the key thing. It's not only having these things in place, but Leading by example, it's my guys, I'll go put communications in Yammer. I had a fantastic weekend with the rugby, you know, blah, blah, blah. What did everyone else get up to? well you've got little teams, groups of my team leaders, especially I have little groups on teams. I'll just regularly chat to them and they, sadly, I know you're going to see that film. How did that go? I was a good, fantastic. Everybody else? Hey, Mark, what did you think of that film? So I thought you were going to go as well, getting that kind of, almost like you say, cool amount of just walking past check going. And you're absolutely right. It's something that people. It's too easy to slip into the mindset of I'm at my desk. Social stuff is there, but I'm just concentrating on my emails today. For example, there's a time and place for that. We all know when you when you come back from holiday and you've got a thousand emails, and yeah, maybe ease off the chat box a little bit for a day or two. But it's important to get that mindset balance. It was difficult for me. I'm not going to lie. When I first came into remote working, I was a very social person. I used to love chatting to, to people, the desks, and that kind of stuff. And I fell into that trap of kind of just. Getting off my work, getting off my work, getting off my work. And then I realized the importance of like, oh, why do I feel so exhausted? Why do I feel so drained? And it's because I wasn't having those quick little five minute, oh you know what? Just five minutes out. Let me just see how so-and-so is getting on. And once you get the balance right in your head, once you manage to find that balance in yourself, it's great. But it can be challenging. I do agree with you to find that balance and to remember that to keep it there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I was going to make a comment around how to ensure that remote working teams remain engaged, happy and productive while working from the home and the strategies that support that. But I think what you've said about with that particular tool that they have access to, I feel that that covers that off. Mm -hmm. I will add though, when it comes to kind of managing remote workers, and I'll give a direct example here, not having that line of sight can make things pretty difficult for both the staff as well as the management. You're not hearing those intraday, intracall, comments, phrases, whatever the case may be, you're not hearing when Suzanne starts to raise her voice a little bit and going, oh, you know, you get that meerkat moment of I need to just, nope, that's fine. It's dealt with. You lose out on that. Yeah. How do you continue to ensure customer excellence in that environment, given that you lose some of that line of sight, that there is no kind of working around?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of key metrics. There's customer feedback, survey, things going on. You've got managers who regularly listen to agent calls at random, which I think is key. You know, don't just go pick the ones that you like, pick at random, listen to the real thing. But you'll be surprised with the live desk. You get that virtual same thing. And because there's a mixture in the live desk, it's not just management, but it's actually agents who have elevated themselves and become very knowledgeable. And they'll become what we call support workers, lead agents There's lots of different names in the industry for them. And they're actually on a shift purely to help answer questions, not even to the calls. So they'll they'll automatically keep social interaction going. And they will spot stuff like that and they will raise it to us to say, wow, Jenny put her question all in caps. You know, now that might have been a pure mistake, or Jenny might be generally frustrated in caps and gone, well, someone answered my question. <laughs> so we'll pick up on cues like that. And you will also see it in the social chat, especially. And that's why we're all trained to watch the social box. So when you're on that shift from that live desk, you, you're not meant to be doing anything else but supporting that desk. That's your primary focus for the day. And that's because there's so much going on there that you need to keep be aware of. And one of those key things will be you'll see someone in social, oh, a really terrible customer. The guys are trained very well. If they see that straight away, bang, from the live desk, you can go straight into a team's room, work them off the a team's room, get them on the camera. What's up? Give your breath. Give your five minutes. What happened? I'm on. And it's that reactive, like you say. Yeah, you've got to be very, very almost more visual in a virtual environment because you've got to look for those little things. But the guys, once you've been there in a couple of years, you can naturally start to do that. You can naturally start to pick up on little things that you wouldn't know. Maybe an email's written in a different tone than that person would normally write the email. There's another spot check for you. Now I don't think you're gonna catch everything. You know, there are gonna be times, open honest, does slip through the net. And then we have to pick that up and deal with it accordingly afterwards and then try to find a better way of doing things. But, you know, these things like this enhanced live desk and these teams, you know, these are the things that companies learn as well over the years. You know, let the people of FloorWalking have no other responsibility but to watch that. Let them spot little things that might need attention.
0: Absolutely. And one of the aspects that I've spoken to previously and something I'm incredibly passionate about is what I call the cohort effect. That sense when you're sat next to a colleague and you do hear them kind of beginning to go get into that, that space where it is very difficult and it's obvious whether that's the nature of the content of the call, whether that's the tone of voice, you inherently struggle to do that in a hybrid environment, particularly when you can't see people. And I think the idea of having that space, particularly where it's engaged with, I think that's incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, no disagreement for me at all on that one, Sean. Um, It's not just that level, but it's also things that you will maybe when you sit next to someone and you'll hear them say a phrase a certain way or address a point. You think, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to try to do it next. And you're right. We do lose a little bit of that. What we always try and do is when we do our coaching sessions, oh, I, I actively promote this in my team is get permission and play someone else's call. Yep. Yeah, so if you find Sally done a great way of doing that call, get permission, use it in the other one-to-ones. Here's an example of Sally on the call. Yeah, what did you pick up from that? When I used to be a team leader, it was one of my key tools. At the end, I'd say I want three things that you've picked up from that call that you're going to try next week to see if it helps you. And then we'll catch up next week and see if it did help you. Because you're absolutely right. And I acknowledge that when I've worked in call centers for a long time, you do pick a lot up from just sitting in your team and listening and engaging stuff. And I think that's part of a much bigger question because as we know, technology is moving on at such a rapid speed. Hybrid slash remote is probably going to become the absolute norm as we, we just have all these new technologies that we can use. I don't know if the traditional, don't get really shot for this conversation. Some people probably shoot me, but will every day, Monday to Sunday, traditional become more, let's be the right way forward? I'm not convinced i'm thinking hybrid and remote are definitely in the future we see that a lot of companies are opening up to that idea now and so these are the big questions that we've got to keep discussing why do we keep these things going how do we keep social interactions? because we as human beings are very very sociable creatures we do have fantastic solutions in the company does it give 100 on what they need i don't know depends on the individual some people are not designed for remote working and what we find is a lot of those will leave but when you catch up with them in the future because you do tend to pick a lot of friends in my company 99% of the time they're in a hybrid world because they want the best of both worlds there's certain people that hybrid just fits like a glove that's exactly what they want out of life and those are the guys I was with something what nearly nine years some of the people in there have been 10 years plus some people don't stay some people try it out and going that's not for me <laughs> but it's one solution what's either the solution it's a solution for people out there if that's what they're looking for,
0: no, and I completely agree with you. I think that for the right person, hybrid or remote working can be an absolute godsend, particularly if there's shift flexibility and all of those good things that you can enable and facilitate that work both for the business and for the individual. I think that that's phenomenal. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, that I've got some friends who work for kind of a number of companies who do work remotely, and it's—I mm-hmm. won't say it's a trend. But it's something i've heard often enough that there's some weight to it okay and that's the homeworking can blur the boundaries between work and personal life yes and i suppose trying to address a work-life balance for remote employees at all levels of a business like the computer stares at them from across the office door from behind the office door and it's things like people often have teams on their own phones or email coming to their own phones and how can you extricate yourself from the office environment whereby, for example, the boss or other people in the business are sending emails at 8, 9, 10, 11 pm at night or dropping updates in at midnight in whatever platform it may be? I'm fortunate enough that I work where I work, we don't have that problem to a huge extent. And there are times when actually, no, you do need to have that awareness because there's some event or something happens but I have heard from a number of people frequently enough that it's raised it in my mind to ask. And I just wondered what your take was on that. What advice would you give to individuals struggling with that aspect of remote work? And is there a risk of eroding silently eroding the work-life balance inherent in observing office hours, or that there are staff completing hero hours impacting burnout?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. I will also pronounce it, yeah, that this is an issue, especially when people are new-ish to it. I uh, think they, they do forget to turn off. And I think when you're in a position of senior leadership, you have to look for it and you have to shut it down. And there's a responsibility of me as well. If I'm drafting an email, I'm not going to send it at nine o'clock. I'm going to save it in my draft because I know it's unfixed. I know there's some people that will go, hold on, what's that quick email and pick it up? And I don't want that. My advice and the actual video of me doing this on YouTube I was, I was doing some videos for something. I was just team leader at the time and I talked about it in this video. It is vitally important to have a separate space in your house. And I mean a separate space. You have to get to the mentality, when I open this door in the morning, I'm stepping into my office. When I close this door at night, I am done for the day. It's almost like I have left the building. Another little handy tip is put a recurring um, out-of-office on, you know, not available between the hours of six and eight-thirty in the morning. Make sure people get the awareness that if they send you email that late, it's not getting responded to the next day. I'm very strict with that. i I was very guilty myself of putting emails on my phone and teams on my phone. And I will just quickly respond. I've taken emails off. I will not have emails on my phone. My time is my time. I will keep teams on because I have a social interaction with those guys as well. And as you all know, unfortunately, when you're in charge, you have to have some form of communication. They can say, I'm really sorry, but this has happened and I have to jump in and get it resolved. But I'm quite strict with my time and I make sure my team is strict with their time as well. The key thing for me is diary management, and everybody in my, my company loves. if it's not in my diary, it literally doesn't exist in my universe. <laughs> I will put things in like I'm working on admin time for there. I'm doing emails here. I am doing a meeting with this person here. And every Friday, I make sure I put in, last thing on a Friday, self-reflection. Look back at my week. Did I want it properly? Did I give myself enough balance? Did I to do everything that I really wanted to do? Is there anything I would do definitely the week going ahead? So to me, it's simple to say, not easy to do. Just be strict with yourself. Don't put emails on your phone. Just don't. I said, we'll get you. <laughs> Make sure you have a separate space with the door. It's important to me. So when the door is closed, I'm in my office and the door is open. I'm, you know, walking out of my office, closing that door behind me saying, do you know what i even got a little sign on my door for my kids. And it says, Daddy's doing admin. You can lock and come in if you have to. And there's one that says, do not come in. I'm in meetings. I just flipped a little silent the door so the kids know, All oh, I they're not knocking that door now because you know to and there's goods and bads. And I think with everything you have to weigh up the goods, you know, with the flexibility that like you were saying, you know, so once they do a micro-scheduling, 30-minute slots, so they can really be very perceptive. I only want to work two to three and then maybe you know, work four to six that night. Lots of freedom for me. You know, for me, I try and plan my diary when my kids are coming home, I try not to at in that little slot just so I can go and say, hello, how was your day at school? And then we'll knock on ordered this at to school today did that great fantastic thanks for the update they've had a little bit of interaction okay off you go now <laughs> and when they were younger I'd make sure I put time you know make them a snack so make sure that diary was blocked out make them their snacks but it's ever evolving thing but you are right it is there's so many people that you, know, you said hero hours I like that that, uh, that phrase because they think they've been a hero but actually you're not you're burning yourself out I try and sit them down and go do you remember why you wanted to do work from <laughs> home I wanted more flexibility. Right. Have you got flexibility at the moment? No. Oh, but this needed to get done. Okay, did it really need to get what would have happened tomorrow morning had you not finished that report? When was the report due? Two days' time. So it didn't have to get done that night. But it's also, I think if someone is doing that, it's also very important if you need in to look at their workload. Has it been some up creep or something happened that that's causing them to have to work those extra long hours? Because realistically they should be working. Let's say you contacted 40 hours, they should be able to get everything done in that 40-hour arena. We all know it's going to go up and down, it's going to be weeks, it's going to spike a bit more and bit lower. But if they're constantly peaking, why? There's a problem that needs to be looked into and addressed.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think... From my point of view, I think that's a really considered answer. I am conscious and very aware that I'm sat in what is essentially my open plan living room in one space of my open plan (laughs) living room without a door in it. I
1: wasn't going to say anything. I was looking. I was like, yeah, no, no, it's fine.
0: I feel perceived. I've been called out. That's completely fair. But no, I completely get where you're coming from. and, And I agree and I understand. I think one last thing that I wanted to touch on, I'm conscious of time, but one last thing I wanted to touch on is that we've talked a lot about the frontline staff and the people who are interacting with customers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What about the managers themselves or the leaders of those teams? Presumably it's a different, maybe not entirely different, but particularly different aspects of that skill set that need to be leveraged. What would you say to that for companies who are looking at the hybrid working model and and from a management point of view? Because I do feel like there's a lot of focus on the top end of the hierarchy. And there's a huge focus, rightly so, on the front lines of the hierarchy. But you can often have this kind of messy middle whereby you're not at the front lines and you're not senior management, you're in between the two, and therefore that can easily be forgotten. So what would you say for the remote workers who are in those sorts of positions?
1: Well, a lot of the stuff we've discussed, it does sort of transcend into the next level. Yes, there's a lot more to it. We talked about the working extra hours. The hero hours what I normally find from that middle management area. What I have found sometimes is maybe they're trying to elevate themselves as such. You, you, you've got to be almost more aware of those people because they, what we generally find in our company is they've moved their way up. So they've been an agent. They know the ins and outs of the day and, and they're really quite settled into an environment where they're working from home. But now they're stepping up, they've shown sort of real people leadership skills, maybe we're developing them up into a two meter rock. That's the time you've got to be very careful and slightly more senior to watch that they don't start doing that kind of thing. And it can be difficult because what I generally tend to find is you've got to make sure port is in place and definitely, one of my favorite words, mentor. <laughs> because you'll need someone who's been doing it for a while to sort of learn off of. A bit, you know, even for me, when I saw those years going, I would rely, on, I would mention the account, but we had a few team leaders there and we were using a different communication style, but we would often be chatting to each other, picking up the phone and just like, right, I'm on this and this is what's happening here. And then that would just turn into a lovely conversation. We said, oh, what are you doing on the weekend, by the way? So just chat away to each other. But you have to have people you can reach out to, but you have to make sure that's also shown that people can reach out to you as well. It's very important in that area. The next key thing for me is, I'm very strict on this, is proper smart objectives. People talk a lot about it, but sometimes you'll find it's not really in existence. Like, I'll maybe take over a team leader and I'll go, what are your smart objectives that you're working towards this quarter?" <laughs> So what I tend to do is when I meet with my guys and I come meet with them every week, um, unless, I, you know, unless there's a reason I can't, I'll always say to them, right, to so these objectives we built, what happened this week? What example can you give me this week that shows me you're working towards that? Have you found anything this week you thought, oh, I really need to work on that? And then we'll build off of that. But it's that to them having that understanding that they're not just going to be sitting, you know, they are working towards something. I think as human beings, we have to feel like what about you, but for me, I always feel like I'm cheating. I'm doing something else. You know, I'm not just sort of sitting standing in the pools, I've been worse. So for me, with those leadership teams, communication, regular contact to make sure they have a plan of action. They know where they're going and what they're doing. But you are right. Sometimes you have to sort of reach up and go, guys, guys, can, can you just make sure what I'm hearing from you is also getting communicated all the way back down to these guys. Because if you don't do that, they literally do start to feel a little bit disconnected. But sometimes a message will go from the top straight to front line, but it won't really have touched in the middle yet. I think that's a lot of businesses actually need to think about. That. I think communication up and down the chain is something that we always have to look at and we always have to improve and evolve, uh, which leads into a talk about as technology evolves, how do we evolve our communication? Because our old style was email. And we all know what it's like. Some people say to me, but I sent an email out last week. I'll be like, Guys get hundreds of emails. What did you need to make your email even stand out from the crowd? <laughs> you know, a lot of things we do now is little sort of video clips. Yeah, you know, watch the video clips five minutes on an update. It's just more impactful than an old fashioned email.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then it's, you know, okay, you sent an email last week. At what point did you follow up on that? What point did you escalate that to a direct message or a call? Or, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay.
1: Where is it sitting in the folder with thousands of other updates? Yes. <laughs>
0: Marked as urgent, but even so, yeah, absolutely. I completely understand. I have one last question for you before we call it there. I would love to continue talking to you because this is a subject that I am hugely passionate about and as are you, which is coming across really nicely. But I've got one final question for you, and it's probably an unfair one, but I am going to ask it anyway. That's for sure. You went from working in office environments for a number of years Mm -hmm. and you're now in an environment whereby you're working remotely. (laughs) and you're clearly passionate about the benefits and advantages of remote working, what do you miss about working in an office?
1: There are some things that I do miss. And I'll help you with the statement by caveat and saying, I'm not adverse to going back to a hybrid type role. There is something to be said for actual physical being near someone and talking to them and picking up on their vibe. And that's probably the one thing I miss. <laughs> There's lots of other things I don't miss because you know, sometimes like the noise. I, I don't know how a noise sensitive you are. I am quite noise sensitive. And especially when I ring someone up and they're in the office and I'm trying to have a meeting and ringing ring. I was like, oh, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah, there is still an aspect, and one of the things I really do is enjoy is when we do have meetups, you know, when we physically go to a location and everybody meets up. Uh, we still do that, you know, team leaders will meet up in London for a business meeting or whatever. There's a lot to be said for that. You do have a lot of fun with the people. You do seem to get to know them on a more personal level. So I'd say that's probably the one thing I do miss. Like you do really get to know people virtually, but they can only take you so far. So for me, that's probably the one thing I said I do miss from being in an office.
0: On that note, George, it's yeah, I think at that point, more than happy to call it there. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And what I've really enjoyed about our conversation in particular is the fact that in talking to you, it's really clear that you do have a huge passion for this. And it's been really rewarding to talk to you about this model of working that's apparently to many people has emerged from nowhere in the last five years and yet you've been doing this for the best part of 10 so yeah <laughs> you put the leg up on all of us but no it's be absolutely fantastic and uh, yeah like i say i really appreciate your time today thank you so much
1: thank you very much Ronald. i've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation as well i think there's some good good points you're raising and i've really enjoyed it thank you for inviting me
0: no problem at all talk time is brought to you by max contact to find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening.